podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. More trouble for England with the news that Alex Hales has been removed, at least temporarily, from England's World Cup squad and all the one-dayers that precede that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're also actually going to talk about uh, something completely different. I've played cricket in some weird places, but this one takes a biscuit, and I'll reveal all in a bit. We should also mention the new issue of the Cricketer magazine is out, the June issue, which actually covers two sides of one game, so I'm at the IPL. Meanwhile, lots of other reporters are at county cricket, and it covers the first month of the season. There's also some interesting columns, actually, one including one by George DeBell uh, called Cricket's Duty of Care, and I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in due course, but uh, he points out one of the lowest points of his journalistic career was meeting a, an ex-player who was basically in desperate need of help. So we'll get into that uh, in due course. You can get three free issues of The Cricketer magazine if you go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash free trial. So, Simon, Alex Hales out of the squads for the forthcoming T20, the one-day international in Ireland, for the matches against Pakistan, and out of England's uh, preliminary or provisional World Cup squad. How much of a setback is that first to the England team and the England cause? Well, massive, isn't it? Because uh, they've talked a lot about the importance of unity and the cohesion that they've established in the squad. It's one of the reasons why the Jofra Archer issue, or should I say Jofra Archer <laughs> issue, uh, has been such a, a, a big story because there's this feeling, you know, probably in amongst the team, but certainly uh, from reserves on the outside, that they've built up this fantastic camaraderie, team spirit, trust, etc. And to introduce a new person into that almost at the last minute, with uh, only a, a month to go to the World Cup, seems, to some people, a bit of a risk. And obviously the, one or two of the players feel a little bit uh, threatened, if you like, or vulnerable or fragile in some way. And now we're talking about a, a guy who's been integral to the England one-day squad and team for the last, what, three four years. He's made six one-day hundreds, a fantastic player at until last year, was an automatic pick. Well, isn't this the point, though? You say he has been an automatic pick, but he's actually not in England's best 11. But, you, but he's, he's a reassuring presence, generally, because they know he can handle the pressure, he can come in and play his game if they have an injury or if someone's out of form. Remember, Jason Roy lost form uh, before the Champions Trophy semi-final was dropped and Hales came in for that game and generally, you know, he's someone you can rely on. So I think it does destabilise them a bit, but I don't think they had any other option. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's, the point is, of course, he's good enough to be in England's best eleven. but they've just got so many good players at the moment, they can't fit him in. But, of course, you know, they could have loss of form or, or an injury somewhere away along the line, and he would be a fantastic replacement. He he's knows quality, the form, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, 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 he's played all around the world, he's been successful. I think he's feared, actually, by a lot of teams, because he can get England off to an absolute flyer and make hundreds. One thing I would say is that the... 
the press release uh, about Hales's removal from the squads does not talk about him being out of the World Cup. So there's just one sort of slight sort of caveat there. Um, and I've asked the question, you know, about is Hales out of the World Cup? And I've had this res- response from an England uh, spokesperson who says, quite rightly, we haven't confirmed the squad for the World Cup as yet. And you don't have to confirm it until May the 22nd. But it's unlikely he will feature. Not he will not feature. It's unlikely he will feature. I suppose they're just covering covering all bases, all possibilities. But you know whether there's some sort of story that we don't know about this issue, perhaps which is still to come out. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? Really, because this is the kind of thing that I, I believe this this incident that, that Hales is accused of, and that the, the the drug testing that was done subsequently was something that happened quite a while ago, and. Probably, you know, it hasn't been out in the public domain until last Friday. Mm. So presumably they were hoping uh, that that it never got out into the public domain. Mm. But once it's out, there's no turning back, is there? You can't suddenly say, okay, well, we'll actually, you know, it's the World Cup. It's in a month's time. um, We'll sort of be lenient in this case and still include someone who's been charged with a a second case of of a recreational drugs offence. Except, except that his ban is for 21 days, and when you've served your ban, then surely you're free to play. And, you know, he would be free to play in England's forthcoming matches. But once you uh, allow the public to know that someone has been using recreational drugs, whatever they were, wherever they were... And, and he's a guy who was involved in that incident with Ben Stokes outside the nightclub in Bristol and is already on a suspended sentence for that incident. It's like condoning it almost mm. by saying, OK, we'll keep him in the World Cup squad. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll let him off. Well, no, they can't let him off because this is a second offence. Plus, he's under suspension as well for yeah, a suspended yeah, but, sentence. But the suspension ends in time for him to play for England. So he's already served his punishment, if you like. That, no, that... I don't mean that. I don't mean the 21-day suspension. I mean the suspended sentence from the disciplinary committee after the fracker in Bristol. So he was under, I don't know how long it was, a year or two years, suspended sentence. They they fined him and suspended him, but part of that punishment is suspended Mm. to hope that he, you know, behaves well and then he'll be let off the the remainder of that fine and the suspension. And one aspect of of this case which is all interesting is about who knew what when uh, because the the World Cup squad was, was picked, the Provisional World Cup, Cup squad was picked, presumably with some people in the England hierarchy knowing what was, you know, what's happened yeah. to yeah. Alex Hales, and, mm. and yet they went and picked him. And then, of course, when the story broke, Ali Martin in the Guardian broke the story that the reason for Hales's suspension, mm. and then it, you know the story has changed <coughs> since well, it, then. Well, it has because originally it was for personal reasons. Yeah. He wasn't playing for personal reasons, and that all immediately sort of sets the hornets buzzing, doesn't it? Why, why, why? And they eventually, unfortunately, these things always come out in yeah. the end. Yeah, I mean, I remember going back in the day now, you know, an England tour to Australia when John Crawley was uh, attacked after a night out, and Graham Gooch was the, the England team manager, and he said that, that they wanted to, you know, there were some within the tour party who wanted to keep it quiet, so he fell in the shower because he was, you know, he had bruises over his face. They said he want, they wanted to say he fell in the shower, and Graham Gooch said, no, 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 don't be stupid. They're going to, someone will find out, and you will look even more stupid. Yeah. I mean, the, the, we say these stories all always come out. I mean, the, the thing about that, you can't prove it because there might be lots of stories so we, we don't we out. don't know about. Yeah. We don't know about, but you know, there's a, there's a very good chance, especially when you know the. 
that thing, for personal reasons, mm. you know, was put out into the public domain, that people are going to start digging. And, you know, lots of people have got lots of contacts. Mm. And eventually, uh, you know, some, somebody is going to say something. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you two stories that have never come out. And one is mild and one is much more outrageous. The, the, the first one, Vincent van der Beel, the fantastic South African fast bowler who played one season for Middlesex in 1980. And near the end of the season, when Middlesex were top of the table and I was playing in the team, and uh, we had a, a bit of a big night after winning, I think, the penultimate game. We had a big night and then we had to match the following day. I, I, I think it was a one-day game the following day. And Vincent uh, liked to drink, although he was a huge character, huge physique. He loved to drink and he put away a few and he was badly drunk that night, even though we had a match the following day. And he, he slipped over in, in the bathroom... Um, so that night, going to bed, and really, really, because he was a big guy, yeah. badly bruised his thigh and hip, and then couldn't play the next day. And of course, you know the usual story: he's, he's got a groin strain, so didn't play. And that, that I'm sure that happens. You know, frequently. is that the big story or the small no, that's, story? That's the small story. The <laughs> right. big story. I can't reveal which team or what year. But I was uh, certainly party to two players, two very prominent players, in the lunchroom of a famous ground, actually with two women during a game at the end of a season. And they didn't make it back onto the field until about quarter to two, and they should have been on at about half past one. They were a bit late onto the field, because uh, the report was that they'd been in the physio's room having treatment. Well, they'd been in the physio's room, but they hadn't been having any treatment. Right. Is that sort of thing quite common in when you were playing? I, I mean, it, it was, there was a few, you know, incidents like that. Uh, that you know, was, uh, boys will be boys. I'm afraid. I, I'm sure that stuff has been stamped out now, and it was all, you know, perfectly willing from all participants. But uh, it never got out. That well, one. well, that's that's the point, isn't it? We don't we don't know what what is being kept under wraps. What you know what we don't know what we don't know. That sounds like Donald Rumsfeld, doesn't it? Or, or it's a bit tautological, but uh, I, I mean, what I suppose you know to, to look at it from a serious angle. I feel some sympathy with Alex Hales actually because uh, you, you look at the modern day cricketer and they're quite similar in their situations, in their lifestyles, really, to a lot of footballers in that. That if, if you've signed a white ball-only contract, which Hales has, you're not playing that much cricket for a start. You're also being paid you know, a fair amount of money if you're in the England squad and playing T20 franchise tournaments and so on. So you're earning pretty well with a lot of time to kill, a bit like footballers. And so there is an inevitable leading to... OK, sometimes they go and play golf, but some of them get into gambling, some of them get into drinking... And some of them get into into drugs. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens in sport when you've got a lot of time to kill and a lot of money and you you know mingle with a few of the wrong types and you just get caught up in it. And it's it's really sad. Mm. I mean, of course, he should have learned his lesson because it's it's the second Isn't that the point, though? That's that's the point, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's a massive summer. Everyone's been building up to this. And suddenly you're not exactly your plans are derailed, but it is a it is a significant I mean, setback for England. It, it, Hales, Hales has said himself he's made some poor choices in the past and he hasn't learned from them. He's admitted that, and I mean this is a very very harsh punishment, but but it's a but it's an understandable punishment, and you know he's lost the opportunity to be an absolute hero this summer. How much of this is about Owen Morgan's? 
attitude to the World Cup, do you think? Well, that's a good question. The one thing about the, the, the Morgan ethos is play hard on the field and, you know, relax and have fun off the field, right? Uh, and that's fine. But I think over the last, sort of until that Bristol incident, it had started getting out of hand a bit. You know, they'd started staying up too late. They were probably drinking a bit too much. Stokes himself accepts that at that two o'clock in the morning scene in Bristol, uh, you know, where he was obviously had had quite a lot to drink as well. He shouldn't have been part of that. And he says that, in a way, Bristol was the sort of watershed Mm. and that they'd realised they couldn't carry on like that. And without sort of blaming Owen Morgan for that culture, he certainly was part of it and enjoyed it. I don't mean staying out till three o'clock in the morning necessarily, but certainly enjoying the fruits of success, staying up fairly late, you know, and and doing what you do after winning a sporting event. Fine, but I've always believed, actually, that if you you take it, you know, a, a little bit too far, it just gets a bit out of control, and it had. There's no doubt. So uh, Morgan now will be very aware of that, obviously having seen the, the stuff that went on in Bristol and the, the uh, aftermath of all that. He will definitely be advocating a more disciplined approach, but still you know, making sure you let your hair down and enjoy yourself and, and have fun. One door closes, another one opens inevitably for someone else. Uh, James Vince, he looks to be the major beneficiary of, of the Alex Hales situation. Uh, it's been in decent form already this season, 190 in a one-day match against Gloucestershire. I mean, that's a really eye-catching score. Admittedly, it's against Gloucestershire's bowling attack rather than you know Pakistan's or, or India's or, or Australia's. Uh, and he hasn't played a great deal of, of, of one-day cricket. I mean, one of the things that Paul Farbrace has, has, has reiterated in the past, hasn't he, the, the former England assistant coach, is, is about having arriving at tournaments with players having substantial experience. I mean, he has got a reasonable amount of, of international experience, James Vince, but not, not masses. He's played 13 tests and about the same number of white ball matches in T- T20 and one-day internationals. Yeah, I, you know, the key thing, though, was uh, the 190 that you mentioned there. And I, I talked before about pennies dropping and uh, players learning their lessons and what Vince has clearly done over the last probably 12 months he's accepted that he has been liable to getting out having looked good and got to 60 and 70 and he's made some big scores in the mm. championship last year after being dropped by England and he's now made this big score with his 190 in a one day game so in a way the pennies dropped for him that now he's got a bat, he's got to take responsibility. Don't just play a pretty 60 and then play a loose drive and get caught at extra cover. Make it count. Stay in. Make a big score. Turn the game, win the game for your team. And with that mentality that he's shown, he deserves the opportunity. And you know, hopefully he'll take it because it's he's a good player. And he just had the mental fragility which kept getting exposed. Perhaps he has now learned his lesson. I mean, I just hope that, never mind the replacement for Hales, I just hope Hales is looked after here mm. because he's going to have a lot more time to kill now. You know, the World Cup is going to be on. He can't be part of it. He doesn't play red ball cricket for knots unless he suddenly changes his mind. So uh, he's going to have a lot more time to kill. And I, this goes back to this story uh, that I mentioned at the start by George DeBell in this month's Cricketer magazine, uh, entitled Cricket's Duty of Care and the importance of the Professional Cricket Association and their benevolent fund 
in looking after players who have fallen by the wayside for some reason. Maybe they retired, maybe they got sacked, maybe they you know, took drugs and, and got sacked that for that reason, whatever it was. But he says here um, that one of the lowest points of his journalistic career was when a very good former county player appeared at the door of our home in England. He hadn't eaten for several days and was desperate. It does happen mm. to players. Of course, you know, the, the, the worst case scenario of all is that there have been more suicides in cricket than in any other sport, pro rata, the number of players that play the game. I knew three, three players who committed suicide. Obviously, David Bairstow, who I played against, uh, and two people that, I, that were less well-known, Mark Saxelby, who I played with for Durham, and Danny Keller, who played for Surrey and Kent. And I, and I played, you know, alongside all those people. And, you know, they were part of the bosom of Cricket's family and all that, and suddenly they're cast out. The next thing, you know, they're taking their own life. So, you know, obviously I'm not suggesting Alex Hales is going to go to those lengths, but he's going to need looking, looking after. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has made a mistake... But we all make mistakes. That's the point. It's easy to sit here and pontificate, isn't it, and saying, yeah, well, what a stupid thing to do and, and, and throw him out of the World Cup. Not everyone's saying that. Some people are saying, uh, you know, that point I made earlier about the 21-day ban that ends, you know, then you should be f- free to play again. Some people are saying that. Um, but, it, you know, it's easy to sit here and, and, and pontificate, but there is a, there is a, a person involved. And, it, and he has... He will lose an incredible amount. Imagine, you know, being at home or whatever, watching... That World Cup, which you feel you you earn the right to be a part of by your performances on the field, and yet you're, you're sitting at home because of what you've done off it. Now, talking of people making, at times, quite simple but silly mistakes in their life, um, I mentioned at the start playing cricket in unusual places... And I, I play cricket on the top of a mountain, on a lake in San Moritz, uh, a Swiss, Swiss lake, a frozen lake, and, uh, you know, in the middle of the channel, on that sand spit in the middle of the channel. So I've played cricket in some funny places. Last week, I played cricket in a prison in Feltham in West London. And uh, we were part of a little coaching scheme which is going on, which is run by the organisation called TUF, T-U-F-F, which stands for the Unity of Faiths Foundations, and an, an assortment of people have put together a program for some inmates at Feltham's Young Offenders Institute uh, for 18 to 21 year olds who had been good inmates and had earned the right to uh, get some sort of you know preferential opportunities, if you can call an opportunity in prison preferential. But uh, anyway, one of the options was this cricket course, and it was quite interesting just spending some time with. These uh, guys. Uh, how, how did you get involved? Well, I got involved through a man called John Reeve, who's chairman of the Acton Cricket Club and who's running the coaching course, with two other men, the Reverend Chris Kennedy and Dr. Shaminda Talwar, who's one of the founders of the Tough charity. And what they're doing there is, is just encouraging these 18 to 21 year old offenders. And some of them have, have been drug dealers, some of them have, have, been, have been inside for robbery, some have been inside for stabbings. But the idea is to give them something to do when they come out again, when they're released, something, a skill, a knowledge of a a sport, uh, maybe even a network of people that they can join up with to uh, enjoy their time when they come out again and and help their rehabilitation. And Chris and and Sham 
talked about their association with the project and how it came about. So £97,000 to have a prisoner in for right. a year. And yeah. the reason that's so expensive at Feltham is because if you're between 15 and 18, you have to have 30 hours of education. Yep, so right. it's, you, you're still educated as okay. a, in some yep. form of schooling system. Okay. But post-18, there is no... Um, there is no education, but that's why we chose to go with 18-year-olds yeah. after that, to give them something as an incentive. Yeah. Mm. Um, but then the reoffending rates out of that is 67%. Yeah. And Feltham are quite proud of that because it's lower than the national average of 71. But that is awful. That's still hard. So that, 67% of the people who come out here reoffend. Yeah, within yeah. a year. Yeah, within a year. Within a year. And you said, and then you said, sport fourteen percent or something. Yeah. So the, the objective that we said to the ECB after they said, you know, what are your outcome measures and everything else like that? Well, how many of the guys that have gone through the program after a year are back in the prison service? Right. And how many yeah. of them have we been able to integrate into a local faith community and or a local cricket club? Yeah. Exactly. Allows them to be able to show that, you know, their engagements happen, yeah. but we've still had a contact with them. And from that contact, has that contact then allowed them not to be able to reoffend? Mm. And so our, our objectives are <clears throat> quite simple in a sense that after a year's time can we show that the 10-week program mm. has mm. has changed their their character trait for well, mm. doctors proving that but then also mm. can we connect them into a local community uh that you know can be run with the local county clubs yep. so like mm. w that's why we're working with hampton wick and and um and teddington um up in up in uh, Liverpool and Manchester, we've got clubs already that are that are a keen to be able to take mm. them because it helps them get funding for diversity and, right, and all really? the other things right. and all that. But also, mm. it, I mean these these guys these guys, if coached well, mm. they're premium athletes. Yeah, they're as strong as an ox. Yeah, so they they yeah. you know they should be. And like you saw Andrew take that catch. Mm phenomenal you know mm. like if you could have that in your team mm. it's a great opportunity we recognize that if even if uh even if our reoffending rate from this program sort of is about sort of 25 30 percent that's still 10 people that yeah. we've saved that's and, and, and that's a million pounds that we've saved so the, government. the government so we yeah. called yeah. The, 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 the 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 objective to save a tough million yes so the yeah. unity of faith's million right which means 10 people from each program are uh, off the off mm. the course back yeah. into the community and, yeah. and it saves you and I the taxpayer mm. a million pounds and so it was quite interesting just to meet the, these guys. So there was a, a group of 20, 18 to 21 year olds, uh, mostly, I'd say, West Indian, at least half of them were West Indian, Jamaican, etc. about three or four mixed race and three or four whites. And I talked to some of them and it's difficult to find out exactly what their offences are because you can't really go up to someone and say, what did you do then? So I, I managed to glean some information um, I mean, one guy, for instance, uh, a white guy from North London called Ethan, um, you know, sort of mild-mannered sort of character. His girlfriend did something he didn't like. Uh, I don't know what exactly, but he went round and set fire to her rabbit hutch in her garden. And then he, he felt terrible because the rabbit was trying to get out. So he rescued the rabbit and somehow managed to set fire to the, to the patio and the back area of the conservatory of his girlfriend's house, presumably the parents. So he, you know, he's, in, he's inside for arson. And, you know, he admits it was a, a mad moment of madness, stupid, you know, and he's in prison for a year and wants to, really wants to play cricket. And, and uh, I met another guy, um, Charlie, who talented cricketer at Upminster Cricket Club in his teens, obviously talented because when we played this game, he was 
really quite quite good. And that he and he, somebody had said something to his girlfriend he didn't like. He stabbed him, you know. So put in jail. And he re- totally regrets it, you know. Complete moment of madness. And trying to get his cricket together again. Looking forward to when he comes out. Hopefully joining a cricket club. And it was just. It was quite sort of uplifting to see these guys and the, actually the enthusiasm they showed for this game of cricket, which was quite an interesting game. It was a hybrid of cricket and baseball. So an underarm bowler... Played inside? Played in a, a very nice gym in the centre of the, the uh, jail at Felton. So you walk through you know, endless corridors, which were surprisingly quiet, actually. I was thinking, where is everybody? It was... It was it was eerily quiet, and, and then we finally came into this really nice, quite big gymnasium, and you know, lots of these guys just ready, big guys. I mean, these West Indian guys were you know, massive, big sort of Afro haircuts, and standing there, left hand back. I said to one guy, "You know, you know, Chris Gale is. You look a bit like Chris Gale," and he was sort of I'd never heard of him, kind of thing. But you know, he hit the ball pretty powerfully, actually. But anyway, this game we played was uh, the underarm bowler, and then one batsman. And the other members of the team have to run round three bases at extra cover behind the bowler and mid-wicket. And they have to be on the base by the time the bowler gets the ball back. So a bit like the pitcher getting the ball back in baseball. And if they aren't on the base when the bowler's got the ball back, the whole team's out. So, and you get home runs if you, the number of players that get all the way round to the start again, they get home runs. So it was, it was nice, uh, a nice way to play. And, you know, you could just see the enthusiasm and, and the competitiveness, but the fairness as well. When someone was out and, you know, he was given out by me, I was a bit worried, actually, at one point, sort of giving out a guy who's into, in jail for stabbing. I was a bit worried about giving him out, but he was right, OK, yeah, fine, I was, you're right, I was, I'd overstepped the line here, I'm out. So... The great thing about the the, the programme overall is, uh, well, another good thing about it is that they've put a poster up on the wall with the word cricket and each letter each week is used as a focus for something in their character. So what they're asked to do is, on the first week, C for cricket, what word, beginning with C, sums you up? And they, each of them had to come up with different words for, you know, beginning with C. So it was competitive or it was uh, calm or composed or some word that they thought up that encapsulated their personality. I was slightly worried when we got to K and somebody said kick ass. But, you know, in general, there, there was, we, we all stood round and they all offered their ideas for what that word, K, knowledge, for instance, one said. Uh, said about them, and I just found it really uplifting. That and they were also at the end. They're all thank you very much for coming, and you know it was really enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to next week. And and the key thing of all is it's giving them something to focus on, an idea to focus on, and possibly a network of people to join when they come out. So you're going back for more? Well, I, I was tempted actually uh, because I felt that I mean they didn't they didn't know idea who I was or anything but they just could see that I loved the game and I gave one or two of them a few tips and they found that quite useful uh, I told one guy to play straight and he whacked the second the next one straight with a deep mid wicket but anyway <laughs> um, it, it's it, it was just it was just a very uplifting and I, I think you want to see these guys I, I just think cricket has this fantastic influence you know John Reeve actually the, the the character I mentioned at the start who's a very active cricket coach as well as being the chairman of Acton uh, he he said to me I could have ended up in jail when I was young 
You know, I came from a council estate, didn't have much to do. I got into cricket. It's, it saved me and gave me a lifelong friends, lifelong friendships. And I think that's why cricket is wonderful, because once you get involved, you get immersed in it, it can be a, a lifetime of fun, friendships, travel, enjoyment, some misery when you get naught. But just generally, I think it enriches your life. Mm. Don't you? Yeah, without being you know, too trite about it, it's, it's, a, it's a way of life, isn't it? It, it, it? it takes over your whole life. It's only take, taken over all our lives, and uh, we'll do so all summer long. I, yeah, I mean, I can't believe it. You know, it's something I started when I was nine, and so I've now been either talking about it or playing it for half a century. It scared a, a few girls away in my time, but apart from that, it's been a wonderful privilege, actually, to be involved with cricket. And I think that's, that's got to be all for this week on that sentimental note. And we'll speak to you again next week. Well, we'll look back at England's opening matches of their international summer when they're playing against Ireland and Pakistan. I hope you've uh, enjoyed this podcast. If you have, then tell someone who might also enjoy it. We'll speak to you again in a week or so's time. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.